Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. The uh, the entire college sports season might be done, but we're not. We're still here with you. Jeff Jaron, Eric Lopez, and uh, Brian Murphy with you here. Um, normally, I'd like to start with a really horrible joke, but I got nothing instead. Let's instead let's start with this, guys. What uh, what are you watching on TV while we record this? I've got I I had WWE NXT on, which should be news in and of itself, since I'm not really a wrestling <laughs> fan. Um, and then Murph, you you uh, convinced me to go over to MLB Network and the 23-22 Cubs Phillies game from 1980 whatever. Yeah, no, 1979. 1979. Okay. Cubs Phillies, the winds blowing out at about 18 miles an hour. And I'm working. And nobody can inning. pitch. <laughs> it's currently in the fourth inning. And it's only seventeen to nine Phillies. Yeah. Hard to believe. Hard to believe that this game still has uh, nineteen runs left in it at this point. True. True. Uh, what about you, Elo? Costas on that broadcast there with Tony Kubek, right? No, well, no. This nope. was this is the this, this is the local guys, right? This is WGN, right. wasn't this it? Is just- this is Jack Brickhouse. Oh yes. Oh, uh, well, they went with the local bride. Okay. I, I think yeah, that's Jack well. Brickhouse that's the only tape tape that exists. J- Jack Brickhouse and who? Lou Boudreau. Lou Boudreau. Yes. Gosh, now we're yeah. talking. Now we're talking. Just bunch, you and just it's just lovely. I mean, and and another thing, this thing, this game, which had fifty hits and tw- and forty five runs, took four hours. In today's baseball, I don't know how it takes under six. Yeah, right. <laughs> Did it go to extras? No, it was regulation, yeah. right? It didn't. It was in regulation. Uh, Michael Jack Schmidt hit a uh, home run late to uh, put the Phillies ahead for good. How about you, Elo? What are you watching? Wrestling, right? I'm, I'm watching a little AEW and NXT back and forth, and then the coverage of Tom Brady, baby. Coming to Tampa, what coverage of place coverage of what? He's already it's already happened. Like, what are you? What is there to cover? Oh, it's beautiful, man. Listen, listen. What we? Yeah, I mean, you got to appreciate any sports content and the breakdowns. It's just been beautiful. Just watching the New England reaction, the Tampa reaction. It's been beautiful, and as I'll explain later, it does it does have an indirect uh, connection and effect on a certain UCF alum, perhaps. I, uh, I, uh, am, uh, I mean, I've had my fill of Boston Freud for the entire, uh, week so far. So, um, <clears throat> but yeah, lucky go to the chargers or I'd be really like gloating right now that I predicted this in January, but I never thought the bucks in one, I never thought about the bucks. So no, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Either. Jeff, Jeff, as Yankee fans, as New York Giants fans, as both of you and me are, uh, this is an off season in which. The, hate, the Boston community has lost Tom Brady and Mookie Betts. And I know this isn't a good time for us to, uh, you know, share the enjoyment of the misery of others. But if we could just cut that, cut out the, the world at large and just say, this is kind of fun hmm. if you do not like Boston. Yeah. Boston team. Thoughts and Sports prayers. entertainment, baby. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers, believe me. Let's go. Uh, all right, so so let's talk about. All right, let's start in this first segment. We we want to talk about. Obviously, there has been some UCF sports news coming through. The last time we were on last week, everything was put into an indefinite hold. Well, now it's officially uh, done. Uh, the, uh, the the American canceled all 
spring sports, and that's it. it, it we're, we're officially done here uh, with, uh, with sports, <laughs> uh, with college sports, at least for the time being. Uh, it's not going to come back on a delay thing. We'd hope that it might, but this, this thing is serious enough, and that's the nature of um, exponential infection rates and epidemiology that uh, if we didn't get everybody away <laughs> when we did, um, it, it, uh, it, this thing really could have spread um, out of control. And of course, we're always cautioning you to you know, beware of the, uh, the paradox of preparedness, of course. But That's um, hoarding bread. Bread. Well, hey, bread, paper towels, toilet paper, friggin' bleach, um, the hand sanitizer, uh, Christ, soap. I mean, guys, come on. I mean, you're, you know, we're, we're not asking for much here. I mean, I got a family of four, <laughs> you know. <laughs> anyway, um, I was able to find frozen lasagna, so there's that. But um, anyway, I, I guess... This is one of those things where it's like, you know, in retrospect, you know, we're going to look back at it and think, man, uh, you know, at the time it's like, wow, this really seems like overkill. But in retrospect, it's like, wow, okay, glad we did it when we did. Um, Brian, what was your sense from anybody that you talked to about, you know, just the overall thoughts behind it? Obviously, everyone's super disappointed, but is there, is there, you know, is, is there as much you know, I guess rancor as there was last week or pretty, or is everyone pretty much like, you know, something? Yeah, it's, yeah, we got to do that. Oh, I mean, I, 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 if you mentioned, I even mentioned this in my write up uh, when, when the American officially canceled uh, all athletics on Monday for, for the, for the semester, this was all a uh, fait accompli. You know, when you looked at what the, the PAC 12, the big 10, the big 12 had already done the same. Yeah. You knew those dominoes were going to continue to fall much like how, when the AAC was the first men's basketball tournament, men, first major conference men's basketball tournament to be canceled. You knew the rest were going to follow suit. So uh, we were just sort of waiting for the announcement. I don't it was no surprise. And I think the ranker at that point had died down because you knew it was coming, whether you liked it or not, it was a fact of life. Um, and, and so, I, I, I still think, to me, just the speed at which this has all moved. I mean, guys, you know, as we speak right now, it's 930 on Wednesday night. You know, this is about the time in which we got the news about the NBA season being suspended. It might not even be a week from right now. It might be a little later than this. So. Yeah, it was one week. Oh, you nailed it. It was literally about a week. I mean, the yeah. Miami-UCF baseball game was literally wrapping up right now, Murph. Yeah. Right. As you were so, on a plane to Dallas. Yeah, that might mean that Miami-UCF game, you know, had the – the specter of the virus around it because, you know, the, the, the Ivy League had canceled its men's basketball tournament the day before. But there was, you know, we were still holding games. We had fans. We, we, everything was fine. Um, and, and just to go from there to a week later where literally not only are sports shut down, we've got we've got restaurants, bars, malls, uh, people just being being cautioned to, to shelter in place. It is amazing the speed at which this is all sort of transpired. And yet, uh, looking at it from a grand scheme of things, I can't say that it's absolutely incorrect. I mean, this could save lives. We have to do this. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think selfishly, yes, it's been difficult because, like, and I, I, last couple of days, I have gone just outside my house just to walk around, not really going anywhere, just walking for the sake of being outside. Uh, and, um, but that's, that's the way it's going to have to be. And, and, and so we've never seen anything like this before. There's never going to, I don't know 
there's no one alive today that could tell you anything that replicates this. I mean, there have been certainly, uh, you know, world atrocities, you know, and stuff like that and wars and whatnot. Even 9-11 shut down the world for a couple of days. This is we are we are at the really at the the dawn of multiple months of of just life changing uh, nothingness. We're staring into the void. What about you, Eric? Well, I think I've talked to some players on both the, you know, I've talked to people that know people on the baseball team and on the softball team. And, you know, they all understand why this happened. I think they all understand it. So let's get that clear. They understand why it happened and everything. But, you know, I think what's what's fascinating is, um, and we all, all three of us have covered athletes up close. And one thing that athletes do not like is two words, what if. Even coaches, for that matter, do not like that word, what if. What if I would have pulled the pitcher two pitches earlier? What if I would have made this call on this play? They don't like it. They just want to have things in their control. Well, they don't have it control here. And this season, unfortunately for them and the golf teams and the tennis teams, and you know, to some extent the rowing team, although I don't, I mean, they just got started, but baseball and softball in particular in tennis, which was going, they were going and they were having great years uh, in the top 25. This is going to be a part of them. Uh, forever they'll get over they, they'll get over it to some extent but there's always going to be a part of them it's like what if um, and that's hard for an athlete and a coach to take over I mean I've talked to people that are still in shock um, you gotta understand these are people that are used to playing their respective sports since they were little kids this time of year usually until May or especially especially in the last six to seven eight years and now they're not yeah and that's a hard pill to swallow. So while, yes, the, the, certainly the decisions that have been made are all uh, legit and fair uh, from that standpoint, and there are bigger things, but at the same time, uh, I do feel for the athletes and the coaches because they work a lot. This is their life. You know, the coaches, this is their livelihood, right? I mean, let's, you know, Greg's been on here. Murph we'll ne- and Jeff, we'll never know. This could have been Greg's best team. Yeah. You know, it's hard. To, I know it's hard to kind of come to that conclusion 18 games in only, but this team was, there's a lot of promise. Now the good news is, you know, if when we resume next year, hopefully a good chunk of these players on these teams will be back, but it's going to be, you can't duplicate what you were duplicating this year. And that's, that's tough for everybody involved. And that's, what's painful for a lot of them. Yeah. Um, the reporting actually, and I want to give some credit to, um, John Rothstein's been all over this uh, story as well. So um, now, Murph, correct me if I'm wrong on here. The NCAA is what are they going to what are they going to do about the spring sport athletes? So, well, that came out, I believe, on Friday is that they are recommending if not, it's I don't know if it's a mandate, but certainly a recommendation that every spring sport athlete be given another year of eligibility well the the the, the options are that they, they, they haven't what they have to decide is are we just going to do it for the seniors or are we doing it for every player right. yeah the right. statement right. here's the statement from the ncaa it says it's very you know worded exactly like you would think from the ncaa council leadership agreed that eligibility relief is appropriate for all division one student athletes all division one student athletes who participated in spring sports uh, details of eligibility relief will be finalized at a later time. 
Additional issues with NCAA rules must be addressed, and appropriate governance bodies will work through those in the coming days uh, and weeks. Um, now, I would imagine that they may do the same with Division Two and Division Three as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. But basically, what they're saying is, look, we're we're gonna we're gonna make you guys spring at spring sports. We're gonna make you guys whole. We just gotta we we just gotta work out the fine print here. Um, John Rothstein reported of CBS reported that. Um, According to his sources earlier today, however, the NCAA is unlikely to grant an extra year of eligibility for student-athletes who participated in winter sports and had their seasons cut short due to coronavirus. An extra year of eligibility is still in play for student-athletes involved in spring sports. So for UCF, what that means is we've seen the last of the, uh, of the senior classes of basketball. We're not going to see KK Wright again. Uh, you know, we're not going to see uh, Frank Burtz again. Uh, we're not going to see days on Ingram again. Uh, however, um, for your spring sports, so you know your baseball, your your softball, obviously pending a number of different things, including will they, uh, you know, will some guys go pro? Uh, will some decide to come back at all? Maybe maybe some of them won't. Um, we we may indeed see uh, see those guys again. So, um, uh, Murph, what do you think about that? Wait, 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 wait. Oh, go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. What do you guys think? What do you both think of those respective decisions? Because that's been a hot topic. Obviously, I do a In the Circle softball podcast uh, that I've been doing as well, and that's been a hot topic. Is that extra year? Is that a good thing or not? Because there's some that are against it because some schools can't afford it. You know, who's paying for this? Is it the NCAA? Is it the respective schools? And if it's the respective schools, do they have the money and the scholarship uh, to, to include that? with the incoming class that's coming in and things. And some people worry that this is more of a haves and have nots where maybe the major schools can afford this, but some of the other schools can't. So I'm kind of curious, where do you guys fall under all that? Go ahead, Murph. No, I, I understand those, uh, those gripes. Certainly I'm, I mean, I'm for all spring athletes. I mean, I, I, I don't think that's any argument. I don't think anybody's, I really don't know anybody who would say we can't give spring sport athletes another year I understand the financial uh, limitations. There's also things we can, like, like the NCAA said, they have to work out things like they also have to work out things like roster construction. How about practice limitations? You know, obviously sports and coaches, they give you a certain amount of hours per week and hours per day for you to practice with players. Well, if you have another year with your spring athletes, that that's, you know, you would purportedly believe that's going to give you more players per team and thus more guys you need to, to coach and to mentor. So does that time need to go up? Uh, I'm, but I am for the general idea of extending uh, sp- uh, spring athletes, another year of eligibility. I do think the winter one is a little more difficult only because they had a full season. Right. I understand that not playing in your conference tournament and not playing in your NCAA tournament is really difficult, but, but you still had a full 30 game, 35 game season. And I don't know how we can say that, although you've lost a championship opportunity, that that's not enough and that we need to give you another full year. I, I, again, from the financial side of that, I, I'm sure it creates more problems too. Uh, I don't, but I don't know enough about it. I can just say from my, from, just from my, my look at it, like it would be, it would seem to be more unfeasible for them to give them another full year to winter sports athletes who had a full season than to spring sports athletes who might have played for only a month. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that too, Murph. I, you know, when you're looking at the the overall logistics of it, as much as I would love to see some, you know, some of those players like KK Wright get another shot at the NCAA tournament, 
they did play a full season, and, and, and I think that that's, that's the right call. Um, you know, with regard to the spring, again, they had their seasons cut short. I, you know, in a lot of cases, we didn't, especially in UCF's case, we didn't even get to conference play in either baseball or softball, for example. Um, there's, uh, it, it, but you're right. I think that the issue is going to be funding. Um, <clears throat> what will that, how will that funding for the scholarships you know, take place? Will the NCAA redistribute funds, uh, you know, establish some sort of a, uh, a backup fund for those seniors? Um, you know, cause you know, people talk about how much the NCAA, how much money the NCAA makes and it does make a lot of money, but, um, it is a not-for-profit organization and you need to look at profit. They don't, they make, yes, they make a lot of revenue, but they don't profit. Um, that, you know, what are you going to do with that? Now, the other thing is, you know, in the spring, most of your sports are not head count sports. You're, you're, you're talking about, you know, with baseball, you know, you could have, you have how many guys on a roster, like 30 guys on a roster, sometimes more, but you only 35. have 30, okay, 35, but you only have 11.7 scholarships in baseball, mm-hmm. right? So it's a lot easier to figure out, to figure that all out, um, and certainly a lot cheaper than it is for a headcount sport like basketball, where you have 12 full scholarships, the entire roster is on scholarship. Um, you know, imagine if that happened during football, where you have 85. I mean, goodness me, what's that going to look like? But, um, but in the meantime, that's the, you know, I, like I said, I guess I, I agree with it in principle. It's, it sucks having to make that decision, right? But it has to be made. And I think that, they're, that at least they're saying, look, we agree in principle that senior, that, that everyone's get, that, you know, all, and they said all Division I athletes. So all Division I athletes should, be, should get some sort of relief um, in terms of eligibility. But we're going to work out um, the fine print. Um, well, and I and I think it remains to be seen how many will use it and how many we won't. I mean, baseball is so complicated because right. you got players that could potentially get drafted to the Major League Baseball draft, so that could impact their decision. When is the Major League Baseball draft going to be held? That could impact a lot of things too. So there's a timing element to this. Uh, plus, these rosters are going to be enormous, so I think you're going to see a lot of players transfer because they know they just don't have playing time there, and yeah. or or. And this is the thing Pete fans kind of forget, and especially in softball. I can speak for softball. Baseball, obviously, there's always minor league baseball you got to look forward to. But softball, with all due respect to the NPF, that's not a league that a lot of people inspire to like make a league. You can't make a living off of that. So a lot of softball players are already resigned to the fact that their senior year is their last year of playing softball. And they're already trying to line up jobs. Uh, yeah. outside of softball or jobs in softball. Some of them go to grad school, but some of them go home. So don't be surprised if you see some players transfer to another school because it's closer to home, and that was their plan all along. And there might be some other players that say, I'm done. I've played. I, I, I've got it out of my system, and I wasn't going to be playing much anyway. Yeah. Uh, I do think you'll see some marquee people stay. Baseball, so, I mean, I feel bad for the baseball for Greg and the staff, man, because that's going to be crazy this offseason. Trying to deal with who's coming back, the draft situation, the incoming player. I mean, that's just going to be unbelievable in college baseball, how that is all figured out. And I can't speak for the other sports, but, you know, I do agree with it, though, that I think you should give the seniors particularly. I don't think you should give every player an extra year in the spring sport. 
but I do think the seniors should get the extra year. The reason I don't think the other uh, freshmen, sophomores, and juniors should get it is that's going to really create chaos with the recruiting situation and incoming classes, and it just creates a bigger mess long term. That, that's it, yeah. You know, what I mean, like that's going to be a big issue there. And I just think it'd be better if you give it to the seniors who definitely didn't get to call, go out on their terms. At least by doing it this way, you go out on your terms either way. You At least the best you can under the bad situation. And I agree with both of you. I don't think you should do it for winter sports. I feel bad about that uh, for those that were looking forward to playing postseason basketball. But the bottom line is, as Jeff, you mentioned, they played a full season. And a lot of the team's seasons finished already. Think of a North Carolina in men's basketball. Their season was done already. Right. So how do you how do you judge a North Carolina that finished their season versus a team that was on the bubble? Uh, you know, like a Mississippi State or a Wichita State. Although exactly. apparently everybody in Wichita State's already leaving, right, Murph? Well, half, well, two thirds of the team is 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 leaving. But uh, you brought up a good point. That's the other thing. How's recruiting going to work? Because here's the other thing that somebody that somebody else brought. I think it was John Rothstein himself who actually mentioned this too. The, the ACT and the SAT are going to get postponed. I mean, they're going to get actually probably and probably canceled. So you got a bunch of prospects out there who maybe haven't qualified yet, uh, probably need the ACT or the SAT to, to, to qualify academically, and now they're not going to be able to take it. What's that going to do in those sports, right? I mean, it's um, you may have a, uh, a you know, a, a a year where you know freshman classes are all out of whack because um, of, of various different reasons. You know that, that you know certain athletes who maybe would have qualified uh, suddenly did not. So I don't know, man. It's uh, it, it's it's something that that you know you got to put your head around. And everyone said you know everyone always gets mad. Here's the thing. I know I get it. Sometimes the NCAA does some dumb stuff, but. It's, it looks dumb on the surface to us because we only think about it in terms of about 50, 50 schools at the very top of Division One. The NCAA is the governing body for hundreds of schools when you tally up Division Two and all Division One and Division Three. A varying different um, financial uh, financial prowess, if you will, and they got to think about them too. And this is a really complicated problem, and it's going to take and it's going to take a lot of hard work and a lot of figuring things out. They can't just, you know, what's good for North Carolina is not good. Is not necessarily good for, you know, Piedmont college. So, um, th that's something that they have to, that they're going to have to address. And well, Lord knows they're going to have plenty of time to address. And, and, and it may take them all summer to figure all that out. Because they're going to have to come well, I think up. That, well, I think the timeline, there's going to be a timeline here because they're going to have to let everybody know what the plans are probably, I would guess, by April or May. Even, you know, because you have to let them know, all right, this is what's coming, so therefore, whenever, be prepared to do this or that. Because you can't let students, these are students at the end of the day. You can't just let them hanging in August you know, and say, all right, we'll get back to you in July. No, no, we, you got to let us know. Or what are we doing here yeah. the next semester and beyond? Because if someone's going to move on and transfer or stay, you know, they got to think ahead. You know, it's not as simple as, hey, guys, we're back. No, I mean, okay, you got to, you know, you got families to talk to about. You got move, you know, moves and things like that. So while you say yes, it's a complicated thing, 
uh, you can figure all this out in your own buildings and your own homes while you're isolating from the rest of the world. So that's not an excuse not to get figure this out by April or May. Well, I'm saying that is that, you know, I'm not saying that they can't. I'm saying that it's going to be hard. You know how many schools, by the way, I found out, you know how many schools the NCAA governs? Probably uh, uh, up around 600. All right, 600. Uh, Eric, what are you coming in with? Isn't it 300 something? I'm talking about division I'm talking about all divisions. Well, division wise, I would say, yeah, yeah, probably all, 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 no, all divisions, all divisions, one, two, and three. Well, this is a, this is where we could get really snarky because some would argue that there are certain D one schools that the NCAA has no control over. In other words, the Power Five. But uh, <laughs> we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. Like maybe what nine hundred? How about one thousand two hundred and sixty-eight? I was closer, wow. Murph. I win. That's one, true. One thousand two hundred sixty-eight uh, over over four hundred and eighty thousand student athletes i mean think about that that's that's a that's a massive amount of people you got to try and you got to try your best to keep happy (laughs) division two and three is a real big problem because they don't have money right like Mm -hmm. you know and people say that d1 schools don't have money that could be debated some do some don't it is but well very very few very well they all have money but very few of them you know make a make a profit i mean that's revenue is one thing but you know, do they do they make money off of sports? That's an, that's another. There's less than there's less than twenty schools that do that. Well, and I think that's why everybody's going to be looking forward to seeing how much is the is the NCAA willing to pick up the tab on this, or are they going to make the schools pick up the tab? The interesting thing is, it's worth noting, Danny White, who spoke on Friday, was very much for the extra year and did not hesitate. Yeah, he was I also if, he was also right. for the extra year in the winter sports too, which. Correct. That's him looking after his athletes, and I get that. Right, and that's, I, I that's his that. that's his that's job to be the to be the advocate for his student athletes. Yeah, not so, and, I, and I and I think that should be applauded. And the and I like the fact he didn't hesitate on it. Right, like I could have seen it could have been easy for a lot of ads to just say, "Well, I got to look into it." You know, I don't know, but I think the, the the blessing here, and I and I've tried to relay this message to a lot of the student the people that talk to the student athletes of both softball and baseball is the good news for them in this bad situation is you have an AD that genuinely cares for each and every one of you in this sport. It's not lip service. As we've known, Danny has had a lot of these teams and uh, at their house for dinner. He genuinely cares about all these sports, and he genuinely cares about all these athletes. That's not lip service. And I think that every student athlete, and I think every coach knows this already on UCF, but I think every athlete understands that's a real good positive in a difficult situation here to have somebody that you know and you trust 100% has your back and has your interest. Yeah. So, um, all right. So let's. Uh, so we have that for you know for now. I want to put that on the table for for now. We're going to be keeping an eye on that and and seeing you know. It, what if the NCAA comes up with something? Obviously, like I said, we don't we don't know, hundred percent, you know, for sure how this is going to work. We have no timetable on it, but um, nonetheless, we're going to figure out where it goes um, from there. Uh, and once, whenever that does, or maybe even sooner, because I know people have been hitting me up about this question: is what about Aaliyah White, for example, in softball, who a lot of people know was chasing a lot of records. She's a senior. What's going to be her status? Well, obviously, we got to know what the NCAA does first. But I think whenever in due time, we'll kind of discuss that uh, at a more appropriate time. But obviously, that'll be one of the questions as far as the spring sports is someone like Aaliyah is obviously uh, somebody that will people will wonder, will she be back or not? The only thing I could tell you about that is I know she's in the she was in the process of entering the DeVos program mm. at UCF. 
So her, the good news is, if you want to, you know, again, I'm just speculating. I've not talked to anybody, or especially in the, the white camp. Uh, she was... Uh, Aaliyah White's got a camp? Parents, you know, I, mean, you know. I don't know. You make it sound like she's got an entourage. I mean, the, in softball, the parents are like an entourage. Trust me, although they're great people. I love the, the parents. They're great. But no, she was she was in the process of, I think, of entering the DeVos program. So in other words, she was going to probably be, and she's got high grades. So more than, from what I understand, they would be shocked that she didn't get in. I don't know how that works. Maybe she knows already. Maybe she doesn't know the answer to that yet. But assuming, let's be positive, assuming she gets in, then she was going to be around UCF anyway. So, yeah. you know, and maybe we see some of that, too, across the board here in all the sports where maybe this could be a situation where some of the players do take that extra year, play, and use that to their advantage and maybe go into grad school and continue, you know, education, which wouldn't be a bad thing. Right. Exactly. So, um, all right, when we come back, well, there's a little bit of basketball news that we'll be talking about, and then um, and we'll bounce around some other things that we're, that, that we're kind of thumbing around in the world of sports on because, you know, listen, we're hoping that you guys use this podcast as a time to sort of get away from all the talk of the virus and just talk a little sports in UCF, and we want to do that too because it helps us get our minds off it too. So, all right, stick around. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you. Uh, follow us, by the way, UCF underscore Banneret, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret, and, of course, BlackandGoldBanneret.com, where Brian Murphy has a story up right now on Cesar DeJesus leaving or, or, or requesting to leave the UCF uh, men's basketball program after this year. He's a redshirt junior. Um, this past season, averaged nine and a half points, was a solid contributor. Um, mm-hmm. But he announced uh, he is leaving to quote go pro end quote. Well, I, now, God bless Caesar. He's a great player. He's he he would he would whoop all of us uh, instantly in this game were we to go one on one with him. But I was unaware of a market for him in the NBA. But Brian, what do you what do you make of his decision? I'm guessing he wants to go play overseas. Is that correct? I mean, look, I will never. Ever, we always judge college athletes uh, under this microscope of, are you know, well, if they're going to go pro, you know, are they should they really are they are they good enough to go to the highest level? How about if if you go if you just walk in their shoes and for a second think maybe they want to go do something that they really enjoy and make money off of it. And in basketball, certainly there is a lot more options to do that through, than through just the NBA. You can go through a myriad of countries around the world uh, and, and play basketball professionally. Uh, UCF, UCF alums have done this uh, for a long time now and done it successfully. Josh Peppers comes to mind right away. He was in Japan or China for a long, long time. He was in China uh, for a while. Jermaine Taylor also is overseas. Uh, a lot of guys. Clanton played a little bit, too. Keith right? Clanton, Clanton, yeah. Our buddy Tristan Furlock is playing what in the Mexican League. Yeah, he was just in the Mexican. So a lot of guys who we can call upon about that, right? So no, I don't. I don't think like like no, I don't think Caesar has an NBA future because he doesn't really fit the NBA mold of. He's not really. He doesn't really have a, a, a three point jumper. He's really a, an old school driving to the lane kind of guard. But that doesn't matter if you just talk about him wanting to make a living, try to make a living playing basketball. This is not about the NBA or bust. It's just about trying to make a living. And, and for that, then, you know, for a kid who's 
who has been in college now for four years, uh, you know, gave everything to UCF for the last three seasons. He he came to UCF. He verbally committed to UCF less than two months after Johnny Dawkins agreed to be the head coach at UCF. He's been there for the entire Johnny Dawkins era. He's the only player on this team that can say that. For him now to say uh, he wants to go earn money and do something and continue doing what he loves, but for actual paycheck, I don't know how anybody can hold that against him. Um, and I, and I, I wish him well. And of course, him being a redshirt junior, it was, like you said, it was his fourth year on the team, his fourth year in school. Um, do we know that he was scheduled to graduate with his degree yet, or no? I, I, I'm not sure. I've actually been trying to get a hold of Caesar uh, uh, just to, to talk to him about his decision and everything else, but I do not know. Um, so that that I'm that I am unaware of. Okay. Um, I think that's a great point, though. I'm glad you brought that up, Jeff. I think that's a valid point before people, you know, come to conclusions. You know, I mean, if he's close to a degree, then why not? And here's the thing, right? If he comes back, it's not like his stock's going to improve, to Murph's point. It's not going to be an NBA aspiration. But I do want, you know, look, he's. I'm wondering, Caesar has seen Taco fall in the, in the G League. He's, you know, BJ's in the G League. Chad Brown is in the G League. Aubrey Dawkins has been in the G League. I'm sure that probably in Caesar's mind is like, you know what? Why not? Why can't I try to be on the G League and, and make the G League or play overseas? To Murph's point, there are a lot a lot of options now. And I think we always get sucked into, well, it's the NBA or bust. But, you know, in sports, sometimes there are other options, even football. You know, the NFL drafts a month. Oh, you know, why are you declaring for the NFL draft so early? You're not really going to be drafted that high. Look at a guy like Terrence Plummer has been playing in the CFL in the Canadian yeah. Football League. Uh, so there's options there. There's always options, even baseball. I mean, Murph can speak more about it. You know, a lot of baseball players don't even end up playing in the major leagues. A lot of them make a living basically playing minor league baseball. Well, some would call it a living. Some others I, would argue about Yeah, it. I, I, I don't know if I would go that far. <laughs> but to each his own, though, right? Would you not agree? I mean, everybody yeah, kind yeah. of chooses their own path. Absolutely. No, the, 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 the bottom line, sort of the upshot here is Cesar DeJesus has decided after being after being in college for four years that he would now like to continue his basketball career making money for it now. I don't know how anybody can hold that against him. I don't. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we you know, obviously we all, you know, best of luck to him on that. What does this do to, in terms of uh, UCF's, I know it's way early, Murph, but you know, in terms of what, <laughs> oh, what do we know? Questions, Murph. What do we, what do we know about who might be filling Caesar's shoes? Well, I, I mean, the two players that jump out are Tony Johnson and Brandon Mahan. Did uh, very different players. I get it, but they sort of do. You know, the thing that Caesar kind of was tasked with doing this year was uh, a bunch of different things. He was really, he, he was playing some point guard. He's also playing some off-ball guard as well, um, you know. So he was he was tasked to both direct the offense at times, which like Tony Johnson will be asked to do more in the future, and then he was asked to create off the drive, which something Brandon Mayhan should do more in the future. And Brandon Mayhan, I know, thinks of himself as a good shooter, and he can be a good shooter, but he has shown those capabilities that Caesar showed a lot of, which is when he gets a head full of steam and goes through the lane. He's really difficult to stop, and I think that if Brandon explores that that part of his game more, he's going to find success there. I know it's not sexy at the college at, at, to do that in the NBA now, but but for for college level, you got to do what's what's best for you. And right now, I think one of Brandon Mayhan's strengths 
um, overlaps with what a lot of Cesar DeJesus is strengths offensively. So I think those are two guys you look at. I, I think this is the crazy part of this. Now that Caesar, if we if we just you know say that Caesar's now off the team, he's no longer part of the program as of now. There's only one player on this current roster who played significant or any type of meaningful minutes of last year's NCAA tournament team, and that's Colin Smith. And it's amazing we haven't even hit the one year mark of the UCF VCU first round game of last year's season. And yet from that team, there's now about 360 days later, there's one player left on that team that's played, I think, more than 20 minutes last season. Right. Unbelievable. Wow. So, um, Murph, let me, let me ask you this, Murph. I mean, give me your thoughts on this year. Put a bow on this year. Give me your kind of reek. I mean, I mean, we did get a full season out of it. Um, Mm -hmm. what's your overall thoughts this year? I mean, I know it's unique. I mean, there's been a lot, you know, Positives, negatives, kind of, kind of. Give me your thoughts on this season. I think that's the we can recap this year uh, from that standpoint: the good, the bad. I mean, move, you know, and kind of moving forward. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't. I, schizophrenic probably isn't the right use, but it was a. It was a very uh, just a, a season in which you just didn't know what you were going to get night in, night out from this team, especially once they got into conference play. You saw the positives with young guys like Tony Johnson and. And Darren Green certainly setting the freshman record for threes, and Dre Fuller, you know, using his athleticism well. But then Tony Johnson would would turn the ball over a lot, and Dre Fuller would make some some bad decisions. And Darren Green, as shooters, you know, do would get cold at times. Um, it was just a difficult season. I think something that we kind of predicted coming into the year. I think everybody in the league kind of predicted coming into the year this was going to be uh, kind of an up and down year, and it was all of that. Uh, to 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 start to, to from beginning to end, it's funny this team ended its season with really its best overall performance of the year, um, which I guess in one way it's kind of nice. That's how the season ended, but you're, you're kind of left wondering like why couldn't we, why couldn't we see that team more often uh, during the season? We just didn't see it. It was very inconsistent. I and I will say, guys, and I don't know a whole lot. I've been talking to I've been talking to people close to the program because there have been whispers for a while about. Two guys possibly leaving. One was Caesar, and the other is Colin Smith. I, I'm not certain. I, I've been told by people that it could be 50-50 uh, if Colin returns. Again, he is a he would be a senior next year. I'm, I don't know if he's on track to graduate this year before this year. But I think that's something to watch. I think it's something to watch, and 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 don't assume maybe right away that he will be on the roster. We certainly hope he will be. He was by far their best player this year. They need him on this team right now. Um, but I wouldn't say it's 100% that he'll be back next year. Wow. All right. Well, it's a storyline we're going to be following as, as well, that, this what, summer goes on, right? Right. And that's why we can't look ahead to next year because, we, you know, college basketball, the way it is now, it's hard to predict year to year now. It's, it's starting to feel like a lot. It's, I was just going to say it's starting yeah. to feel a lot more like it's becoming more, more like college baseball and less like college football. Right, Murph? Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, it's it's. It's sort of open market, no? Yeah. I mean, it, I, so, well, again. Address the, if, well, and let's address the Wichita State, which I kind of teased earlier. We kind of joked about it, but there's yeah. a ton of their marquee guys are leaving, which is kind of wild considering, uh, you know, their year. But they're having a, a, a what? Uh, help me out here, guys. What was it? Four of their guys are leaving? It was uh, three of their guys, Jamarius Burton, Eric Stevenson, and, uh, and one other guy who I want to pull up right now, um, Noah Fernandez. Yes. Uh, Noah Fernandez, I believe, 
uh, got the start against UCF uh, uh, when they played here, the game where, you, where Wichita State really took it to him. And he and he played really well off and it's like first career start. But Burton and Stevenson are 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 big time pieces of that team. Um and so yeah, we the, all those all three of those guys reportedly entered the transfer portal uh last Friday. Uh so none of you know, none of them made a decision to leave yet. But right. but Grant Sherfield, Grant Sherfield also left, yeah. Uh-huh. Wow, that's another. I mean, six really, Wichita State players, six Wichita State players have entered the transfer portal Oof. since the end of the season, uh, which is kind of a big. I mean, joining obviously Stevenson, Burton, as you mentioned, Noah Fernandez, uh, Deontay Gordon, and Tate Buzzy. Uh, I mean, that's you know. So I mean, Greg Marshall is going to have a new team again next year. <laughs> is Greg Marshall going to be the coach at Wichita State? And then oh. that reason why? That's a, is that the reason why? How about? How about this? I heard I heard this today on podcast. And I think it's a really good point. The coaching carousel in college basketball is dead right now because unless you're Dan Marley at Grand Canyon, unfortunately, <laughs> or uh, or Iona and Rick Pitino, baby, welcome back to college basketball. Oh Rick man, well, yeah, I mean, but that's different. I mean, I mean, Tim Tim Clewis, uh, you know, was dealing with some health issues, and Iona needed a coach, and they got Rick Pitino, and I, I, it all falls under the category of. If he wins basketball games, then we'll just turn a blind eye to everything else. Um, but but you know, <laughs> or if you're Iona, no one's going to be looking anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. Rick Pitino's has been a fantastic. He's, he's he's a great college basketball coach. So I I wouldn't be shocked if Iona's in the tournament like a, two years from now. Um, but you would expect more action in the co- in the college basketball coaching carousel, and I believe uh, that just because of the moment and because it would seem really heartless. Again, as long as you're not Grand Canyon Athletics to fire a coach in the current climate of the world that we're Dan Marley, man, a boy. I feel feel Thunder Dan. That's some BS. That's some BS. Although I will say financially, I think Dan's going to be okay. Yeah. Well, again, it's not the point. Right. The point being is they're probably guys who at high-profile jobs who probably should be out of jobs right now. Who would maybe go after a guy like Greg Marshall? And maybe I, I, I just seeing so many players from one team, uh, you know, and to leave so abruptly, uh, and a team that's on the rise too. You, it's still a very young team. Um, to see them leave so abruptly, it makes me feel like maybe there's something there with Marshall, either the infighting or that they know that he's going to try to chase the job somewhere else, a job that he might have had already, if not for the fact that there are no jobs open. Because it's really heartless to fire a coach at this time in the world. Yeah, I mean it's wow. Yeah, no, I mean Murph, you're right though. You're right because maybe have you been listening to my softball podcast? I just brought this up too on my softball podcast. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm sure, I'm sure he has. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, no, but seriously, because spring sports going to have the same situation, right? With baseball and softball coaches. Yeah. How do you judge a coach? Did you, didn't even get a full season. You know, I'm going to speak to former UCF assistant coach Ruben Felix, who's an assistant at Ole Miss. He's the interim head coach. What is Ole Miss going to do with him based on just getting 20-some games in? Now there's two schools of thought on this, to your point, Murph, because I think this applies to basketball. Either you just say you throw, you know, because of the climate and everything, uncertainty and the shortness, the abruptness of this, you're like, hey, 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 everybody, you're coming back. We'll give you another year. Basically, your grade is an I, right? An I for incomplete. Incomplete. That's one thought. Or, as we've seen with the NFL free agency, these people will be talking behind the scenes 
And then when it's the quote unquote right time, boom, you're going to see a flux of moves being made. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. I think we're all kind of curious because it's unique. Technically, basketball coaches, in theory, I guess, like you said, Murph, right now we would be seeing some moves and then as the tournament would go on and then after the tournament. And I think in spring sports, usually you don't see moves being made until May. Will this cause limited movement or are we going to see some moves where you're like, wait a minute, where did that come from? Yeah. And then you find out, well, there were some behind the scenes talks because, again, right. you can still talk on the phone with people. So I think that's something that will be interesting to see in the next two months. Uh, as far as coaching carousel moves in all these sports, I've gone on record. I think you're going to see more player movement than coaching movement. I tend to side on that front, but we'll see. Dan Marley, by the way, at Grand Canyon, his career record was 136 and 89 in seven years. He had just come off. Right. He had he had just come off. By the way, four consecutive 20 win seasons. This year, he went 13 and 17, and apparently. That is not good enough for Grand Canyon University. Nice true, by the way. Named the head coach who worked with Adam Amin this year and was scheduled to do the American Conference Tournament. Uh, yep. Former Vanderbilt coach, former player, obviously, at Valparaiso. Coaching um, interestingly enough, also Grand Canyon, by the way, the only for-profit institution in uh, in Division One. Uh, I would just like to, to go back to Wichita State really quickly, just looking at it. First of all, Stevenson and Burton are averaging double-digit points per game. And Stevenson, Burton, Sherfield, and Fernandez are either freshmen or sophomores. These aren't grad transfers, guys. I mean, it's just, again, it's just awkward. It's just interesting, and it makes you feel like, obviously, there's another layer to this story that we don't know. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to see this extended offseason, how that shakes that up in um, Wichita. Um, all right, so let's put a bow on college sports, at least for the moment, since we don't really have much else to talk about. But uh, some local news happening, Eric, with a little bit of a local, uh, with a UCF connection, obviously the big news out of the NFL, Tom Brady, uh, 20-year veteran, probably the greatest quarterback in, in <laughs> NFL history. Have, is, have you heard of him? I, you, might, you may or may not have heard of him, even if you only follow college sports. Uh He's a Tampa Bay Buccaneer now, which I can't even believe I'm saying that aloud. Um, it's, I don't know. but uh, It's a beautiful thing, ain't it? I just, <laughs> the split has happened, Brady. Just retire. And just, just As retire. I predicted in January. Just beautiful. retire, okay? Why? Don't, don't, he's going to make money. He's going to make like 20, like 30 million. Like he's year. not going to make money from endorsements after? Come on. We can never have enough money. We never right. Anyway, never so what's, but, what's this UCF connection on this, Eric? Well, I think there's a couple of things from this. Uh, number one, this could impact Rashad Perriman, who's a free agent, was a receiver with the Bucks, had a great chemistry with Jameis Winston. Does he come back to the Bucks? <laughs> I would. The- <laughs> if I was well, but the promise may not be his choice. There's speculation that Tom Brady is talking to Bruce Arians and the Bucks about bringing in Antonio Brown into the mix. Because apparently Tom Brady likes Antonio Brown. He's probably the only guy that likes Antonio Brown right now. So if that brings in Antonio Brown, I think that's going to be at the expense of Rashad Perriman more than likely. Which stinks for him because he had a heck of a second half last year and build a good development with Jameis Winston. I think if Winston would have been staying the quarterback at Tampa, I would have liked Perriman's chances better of getting a good deal and staying in Tampa. But instead, he's kind of in this market, which unfortunately, because of the circumstances – 
not a good situation to be because it's not like he can just meet with teams face to face because of what's going, you know, the parameters. So he might be unfortunately waiting for a while. And as far as for a new deal. So I'm really worried about for him in that regard in his career moving forward. So we'll see what happens with that. But the other aspect of this that could be an interesting impact about this is with Brady going to Tampa Bay, as of now, the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots is a guy that both of you saw in person play UCF, Jared Stidham. That's right. The All-Tiger quarterback. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you guys have an opinion on Stidham or not, but that if New England <laughs> decides to go that route, that could be very interesting to see how that goes. And then you keep this in mind. The NFL draft is still a go. It's not going to be a public event, obviously, but it's going to be the world's the NFL, biggest Skype call. <laughs> well, yeah, I think that's what they're going to do. I mean, that's what they're going to do. I think what they're going to do is based on the material. And just keep in mind, they just had the combine and they've already had all the material. You know, they have enough material on these players anyway. And if they want to talk to them, they can give a phone call to their agent. So I think this draft is going to continue. I think the NFL is determined to continue as is. And I think we will have a draft, and that's going to impact UCF guys like Gabe Davis and company and seeing where they go in a month from now, uh, which is interesting because they never got to do their pro day. So basically, I think, I don't know what you guys think, but I think a lot of these teams may have to go based on, you know, what they know already and, God forbid, watch tape of their games in college. A novel idea. How do we ever scout off of tape? How do we ever scout they, players based off of games that are more representative of their on-field performance than running in Under Armour gear in a neutral environment. Like, I mean, come on. During a TV show. But, uh, oh, well, listen, you guys know doggone well that 95% of the, of the decision-making in terms of scouting is actually based on tape. It's just no one likes to talk about that because – it's not sexy. It doesn't get on TV. The combine, of course, gets on TV, um, and guys do you know you know guys doing their pro days workouts that gets them a little bit of extra media attention. But the right. scouts are not stupid. They watch they watch tape. That's what they make decisions on. Pro day, you know, hurts to what extent? I don't know because again, I believe it doesn't have a huge impact, but it does hurt guys like Adrian Killens, who who, knew, who could use more connections and more talks within some clubs. Who it could hurt a guy like Neville Clark, uh, Neville Clark, who right now is seen as maybe a sixth or seventh rounder, maybe a fringe draft draftee guy. Uh, I, so, you but know, at that point, aren't you better off just being an undrafted free agent and choosing where you want to go? Possibly. The problem is on a normal year, yes, but with this uncertainty, I don't know if that's the right move or not, right? Because well, then, and then that, that gets into the issue of the the NFL CBA and how that was ratified even though it, so it looked like it was it was not going to pass the NFLPA and then it, all of a sudden it did and a lot of the reason is because people are concerned about the immediate future and so uh, they, they want that certainty. I will say one thing about Perriman, Rashad Perriman, who I can't believe he's only 26. I, I mean, right. it seems like he's been around for 20 years. He's 26 years old. Um, I, we talk about it's not a good time for him. I would argue actually the opposite in a sense that it's a really weak market and if there, and he obviously, if you look just the last what six, seven weeks of the season, he was phenomenal statistically. If there's a team out there that is wide receiver needy, you could see a guy like Rashad 
um, maybe getting an inflated price tag because there really is not much in the free agent market receiver right now. And for well, a guy who played – go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to counter, though, with that, Murph. Isn't the counter to that, though, is that this is one of maybe the best wide receiver draft and that some teams may rather just draft a receiver than – pay a Perriman or even a Robbie Anderson of the Jets, right? right? Like Perriman may have to wait until the draft finishes before he knows what his options are. Maybe so. I, I don't know. You look at a team that, you know, could use a wide receiver uh, like like Houston, although they wouldn't need a wide receiver like Perriman because they, they have a couple of deep threats already. But that's a, that's a decision that each team has to make. But if a team does want to go into the market, uh, he is a, an attractive option when, when judged against the other options that are out there, I mean, guys, you know, guys are like Robbie Anderson, who is a nice deep threat, but kind of the same. He's kind of the same player like Mashad Perryman with a little better body control, but also all the off field issues that are a big scare. Devin Funches, who looked done last year. And then like, well, Demarius Thomas is kind of done. Taylor Gabriel is like a, is like a safe uh, a security blanket receiver, but like, None of those guys pop out at you, but if you go on and look at the tape of Brashad Perriman, uh, at least the last six, seven weeks, uh, he played the best by far of anybody on this list. So I wonder if this market maybe ends up helping him. We won't, we won't know this until the draft comes, but maybe it ends up helping him get more money than, uh, you know, than maybe he's really worth because teams are desperate. They want to sign somebody, and he's the best of the bunch. The other thing, too, is I, I think we've learned, especially over the last – several years here in the NFL that it takes a while to actually develop receivers. So if you want a, a receiver, you know, who can contribute right away, you know, I mean, are, do you take a risk on a guy like Jerry Judy who might, who might take a year or two to develop, or I got a seasoned pro in Brashad Perriman, who's probably, who, who, you know, in a pinch could be just as good. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just say Uh-oh. it takes a while, it takes a while for an NFL to develop by receivers? Have you not been paying the last three or four years? Of course I've been paying attention to the last three or four years. Personnel people have been saying this. But there's been, we've had some of the best rookie classes of all time recently. You don't you don't spell that now. Okay, about you how many this. but how many guys compared to how many holes are left at wide receiver across the NFL? It, That's the question. Not, the ability to depend on a rookie wideout like has become so much much more comfortable now in the last three or four years because the guys like Odell Beckham Jr. and that entire class from what, four years ago, that class and then the, the more recent classes as well, we've had really good rookies stand out right away. So it's not this whole thing of like, well, we need at least give them three years. Like, yeah, you used to do that all the time, but like now there's more yeah. there's more of a track record for rookie wide receivers to come in and produce right away. Is it for well, shot an example of that though? Yes, I, we have a sample. I'm going to read it to you right now. Marquise Hollywood Brown with the Ravens this year. Debo Samuel with the Niners. Oh, A.J. Brown with the Titans. Mm-hmm. D.K. Metcalf with Seattle. Terry McLaurin with the Washington oh. Redskins. Right, oh. you know, I mean, I mean Hunter Renfro with the Oakland Raiders. I mean, there was a, a – then they weren't even necessarily first-round guys. Calvin Ridley, if you want to go back two years ago. Cortland Sutton at Denver. Christian Kirk. Anthony Miller in Chicago started to really go on here in the second half of the year. And if they ever get a quarterback in Chicago, he might even do better. How about DJ Chark of, of Jacksonville had a thousand yards, Michael Gallup at Dallas. Uh, so, I mean, Merv's right. You're, you're finding more and more receivers stepping in my, you know, and, and being productive in the NFL. Juju Smith, a uh, Schuster was a 2017 class Cooper cup. 
2017 uh, with the Rams. Chris Godwin was a third-round pick in the 2017 draft, and he's a 1,000-yard guy for the Buccaneers. Kenny Galladay in Detroit. Uh, we can go on and on if you want. I can go further if you want in the drafts, but Murph's right. Michael Thomas, who's probably the best wide receiver in football right now, second round in 2016. These are young right, guys. But the point is, that 20, it was the 2016 was the, the Beckham class, uh, excuse me, my, my memory's failing me. No, 2014. Beckham class was 15. Beckham was 15. That was the class that, that had Amari Cooper. No, Beck, no Beckham, Beckham was 14 the year before Amari Cooper. That, that uh, class, that class was was one of the best classes. I mean, it shocked everybody how good that rookie class of receivers were as rookies. And then, and then if you look again, like Elo just pointed out, we've had really good rookie classes. And I know we're getting way too far down the rabbit hole for one line that Jeff said, but you're wrong, Jeff. You're just wrong. Mike, yeah, to clarify the 14 draft, Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins, who's still productive, Odell Beckham, Brandon Cooks, uh, you got uh, Devontae Adams. Alan Robinson. Some would say Javante Adams has is only just now Jarvis, getting there, though. Jarvis Landry? No, what? What? What are you doing, Jeffrey? Jeffrey. Have you locked yourself in too long? Like, what are you doing over there when you're locked in? Are you kidding me? Bad Jeffrey. Bad Jeffrey. God. Point is, receivers have been more and more big impacts. And receivers, I do worry about that for Brashad. The teams might go the cheap route with a rookie receiver because, Certainly. again, I just I mentioned all these receivers. A lot of people think that this year's receiving class is better than all of those, all yeah. of them. Yeah, that's my concern with Brashad, who's worked his tail off. Let's remember he was a first round pick with Baltimore. It didn't pan out. He went to Cleveland, latched on at Tampa. It was really was probably his last chance, and really showed promise. Was consistent, and I just hope that uh, it works out for him there. Uh, either at Tampa Bay or, uh, you know, somewhere else for him. Rashad, it looked like his career was done. He looked like a guy who, uh, not to, I mean, not to be, not, not to be, you know, to pick on the guy, but he looked so much more like an athlete than an NFL player. He looked the part, he ran the part, he suited up, he couldn't catch. That's been the MO for him for, for years as it was when he was in Baltimore. And, and just in this short sample size of watching him uh, uh, with the Bucks. He showed better hands, better balls, better better in-air ball skills, better body control, and obviously he still had the deep speed than we'd ever seen from him. So maybe he's turned a corner and sort of been like a late bloomer of sorts. I, I am really interested to see how his career progresses. Also, not overlooking the fact that playing with the combination of Bruce Arians and Jameis Winston really helped him. That's true. Well, I hope it does continue to work out from be it in Tampa Bay or wherever. I think it would be fun to actually see how that works out for um, Brashad, as well as all the other guys who are, who are going to head into the draft. Which Blake Bortles, by the way, free agent as well. Yeah. Uh, which, interesting to see where he ends up. Probably as a backup quarterback somewhere. Maybe goes back to the Rams. What if he goes to Tampa Bay? Oh, man. <laughs> Whoa! What if, what if he backs up Tom Brady? Oh, Oh God! Like the universe would collapse. I mean, that would be. Let's go. Let's do this. Come on, uh, come on, Blake. If you're listening, please do it. Uh, we're all right. We're gonna take a break. Somebody. Oh, go ahead. Like, like somebody said on Twitter, you would have the goat and the boat on but, the same team. Oh, it would be amazing. Um, actually, we're not gonna take a break. We're just gonna we're just gonna wrap the show from here because um, yeah. <laughs> there's really nothing else for us to talk about. 
point. But by the way, when you know what stinks now, I don't think we can cover the Jaguars anymore because they don't have any UCF players right, right now. They traded everybody. I like, believe they literally traded everybody. No, they we have got to the Broncos. No, we got somebody, Murph. We got someone. They have somebody. I thought. Oh my God! I, I just isn't isn't Dred, Dred, Dredrick Snelson actually still on their roster? No. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Dredrick, if you. Um, they have someone. Just stall. Go ask. Uh, go ask a question. Well, first of all, I've enjoyed. By the way, isn't it great to talk football? I mean, how great was that? I mean, I loved sure. it. I feel. I, I've, I've just. I've oh, uh, officially, the, I got it. Ta- uh, Taj McGowan is actually listed yeah. on the active roster. They do. They have Taj McGowan. Right. Yeah. We can still apply for credentials, is what you're saying. When yes. You see yes. Start. yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I still enjoyed this. This was fun. Football talk. Thank you, NFL. Thank you for giving us a little I'll tell distraction. You, can we can we just just pour one out for the NFL right now? Right when it was looking absolutely hopeless with with coronavirus, the NFL decides no, we're going to keep the free agency. Uh, we're going to keep free agency right where it is, and just all the news in the world drops and keeps us occupied at least for the time being. Brady, Nick Foles getting traded, uh, Cam Newton wanting to get traded. Um, DeAndre Hopkins getting traded to the De- dismay of DeAndre uh, Hopkins getting traded in the controversy around Bill O'Brien. People want Bill O'Brien's head now. It's fantastic. Are, Jeremy, we, worried about Jeremy, are we worried about Jeremy's Jer- well-being because he was trying to? I really the trade am. Us. I really am worried about Jeremy Brenner. I don't. Th- I don't. It, you can't defend the indefensible. No, you can. And look, he can say that that DeAndre Hopkins lost a step. He could only I, I think you could only say that by looking at the stats and not looking at the film where he was still dynamite, just dynamite. Uh, David that, Johnson, that, reeks, that reeks of trying to justify something. There's there's some justification happening up in there. And, and Jeremy's, not here, Jeremy's not here to defend himself. And he probably disagrees with what I just said. But your team made an awful trade and your coach should never be the GM. And unless you're Bill Belichick, that should never be the case. Yeah. Agreed with that. But here's a UCF tie into that. It could mean more targets for Jordan Akins, right? Eh, yeah, good news, maybe. Eh, eh. Look, that team needs an underneath receiver because they've got Kenny Stills and Will Fuller. Yeah, you've got Kiki Kiki out of the slot, but you need someone else underneath to sort of uh, to, to do work while Stills and Fuller run a bunch of nine routes. So yeah, <laughs> Jordan Akins, like get out there, run down the damn scene. Well, we forgot to mention Philip Rivers going to the Indianapolis Colts. I mean. Whatever he, he's, <laughs> Jason Witten arms. going to the Raiders. There are more Monday Night Football analysts on the Oakland Raiders active uh, active uh, active team than than there are at actually ESPN. But if you can believe it, since you have you got Gruden coaching out there and Witten playing now at the Raiders. Very true. Very true. By the way, it was hilarious that the Rivers deal and the Witten deal and the Brady news all broke on the same day. And I thought we were living like 2010 for a second. <laughs> I know. What a time to be alive. What a time to yeah. be alive. So, all right. So uh, here's what we're going to uh, – well, we're going to wrap this up. I know we're, we're, we're still – look, we're that still trying to figure Jeff, out – Did we pull it out of Murph? See, Murph was like before the segment. was like, I'm not going to get – I'm not going to contribute. I knew it. Look at Murph now. He just – he couldn't help himself. You felt – didn't that feel good, Murph? I only, I only did it because Jeb said some stupid nonsense. <laughs> Was, you know what? It. it was all part of the plan. It was worth it. All Thank part you, of the plan. Thank you. Um, so we're going to have some things here and there with, uh, obviously, thanks to Murph for, for dropping some news. Uh, Jeremy is working on stuff. So Jeremy is, 
um, is actually, well, still is finishing his senior year at UCF and has some thoughts on how it's ending for him. Um, we're going to try and shift our focus over to maybe recapping some of the seasons. We're going to look forward to the NFL draft over the course of the next month, um, yep. assuming everything happens. And we'll keep you updated on as much as many things as we can. Is our outlook going to be the same as it normally would be this time of year? No, of course not. But um, but at least we're going to try and keep it up for uh, you guys. And maybe, hopefully, if all goes well, we'll have some extra time to work on some projects we've all been uh, working on. Um, well, maybe, well, I know me specifically, but I'm still working. I, you know, I, you know, I, I teach at Full Sail. I, I am still grading papers. I, I, I got, uh, you know, I'm still in contact with my students. You know, I, no, no, no off season for me. Uh, but, it's, uh, it's one of those rare times where you can go, I'm still a teacher. And that sounds like a huge humble brag. Educa- uh, education does not stop, my man. People still got to learn stuff. Well, while you, get, you do that, Jeffrey, one, now are you doing that? Me, me and Murph have a little project. We're going to be kicking, uh, starting it up, right, Murph? This upcoming week, a little project. We're going to do some special podcasts here, right? That's right. Now, Eric, now have we decided which one we're starting with? Are we yes. Starting with so we're going to the game of the yes. year from last season. That's correct. So we're going to be doing over the coming weeks, days, months. Whatever. <laughs> uh, to be until know, until scheduled. regular stuff starts happening again. Until until Whatever we return to our regularly Whatever. scheduled program. We're going to have some special podcasts, me and Murph, uh, and some special guests. We're going to look back at some UCF games and some of the storylines over the years, right? Like we're going to have some UCF football games. We're going to look back at some of the storylines, but we're going to start out this upcoming week. Only fitting a look back at the UCF men's basketball NCAA tournament run last year. Because, you know, think about this, gentlemen, and we'll get into this more, Murph, when we do that episode. Uh, imagine if all of this happens a year ago. We would have never seen UCF in the NCAA tournament. So maybe, as we'll talk about, a little more unique in appreciation and perspective on the UCF basketball run. We'll talk about that VCU game for sure. But obviously the main focus, we're going to rewind that UCF Duke game and some of the plots, that, some of the things we're going to, you know, some of the things you may have missed when you watch the game live that you look back and we'll kind of digest it all there. Murph, you were part of it. You were there. You're one of the fortunate people that could say you were there in person for every dribble of UCF's NCAA tournament run from the win against VCU to the win against uh, the, the game against Duke and even oh. all the storyline, <laughs> even the behind the scenes, man, right? Little Freudian slip there. Yeah, <laughs> I was doing just fine, and then you said that. Thanks, Eric. Wow, the win against Duke. I mean, look, guys, God. it is now it is now hypothetical sports season, so we might as well go back and 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 deal out some revisionist history on that one too. Well, we might. We, the what if? What if we? Me and Murph will answer the question. What if the tipping oh. goes in? What happens? God. Those are some of the questions we're gonna have. We're also gonna do some football games. We're gonna in a in a near future. We'll also go back to the UCF Memphis 2017 American Conference Championship game, and we hope to have a very important football player from that game join us to discuss that, Murph. Yeah. So that's some of the story. Some of the things we got where me and Murph are working on while you work on your job. Since me and Murph have no job, <laughs> uh, this is yeah. So you go do your job, Jeffrey. Yeah. I'm so happy for you. And me and Eric will huddle together and share and just comfort each other as we slave away over nothing 
what we'll do is, uh, and, and in addition, like, I throw it open to the audience. If uh, they have some games that they would like to look back on or, or questions that they want to send our way to talk about, send it our way. We're at, we're at UCF underscore Banneret on uh, Twitter, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret, and, of course, Black and Gold Banneret.com. Uh, and you can also email us at blackandgoldbanneret at gmail.com. So, um, guys, thanks again. Look I know for that episode, by the way, to be dropping on the 24th of March, literally the one-year anniversary of the Duke game. One week from, oh, less than a week uh, from now. So, uh, so that'll do it for us. Uh, for Eric and Brian, I'm Jeff saying thank you for listening. It's good to talk sports, especially at a time like this. So, uh, so I hope you got your fix for a little bit. Uh, Tom Brady. Thank you, WrestleMania. Still on, baby. Hey. Yeah, except they're gonna be they're gonna be holding it in a phone booth, but still talk to Greg Lovely. We could we could do that. I I, I need to talk to Greg Lovely about lots of things. <laughs> you know what? We're gonna ha- okay. We're gonna have to see if, if we can all if we can arrange that. We'll talk to we'll talk to Colin and see if we can. Do that. Anyway, for uh, for Eric and Brian, I'm Jeff saying thanks for listening. Hang in there, do the right thing, and please, please, please stay safe out there. Please socially isolate. We will be here for you to get you through at least an hour of it um, or more if you decide to listen to the show again. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you again in, uh, in less than a week.